Hey, y'all, what's up? Praise the Lord and talk dogs time here on the podcast, the third edition. And thanks for subscribing. I'm Matt Wyatt. On the other end of the Skype over here is... Brett Hudson, finally reaching you via iTunes. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. It's here. iTunes, baby. Mama, we made it. We made Mama, it. we made it. Mama, we made it. And it's presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Anything land related, y'all check out Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them, mslandbank.com. If you're in North Mississippi, you want to buy some land, sell some, you're looking, whether it's farm related or just hunting related or recreation related, any of that, go to Mississippi Land Bank. Let's get into the podcast right now. Drives it to the rack. Swatted by McCowan. Gilligan, four seconds, three seconds. Morgan Williams. Morgan Williams. He's got to put it up. Fires it up, and it is. All right, here we go. What's up, Brett? How was your weekend? Oh man, I was living the dream. I got uh, I got to watch twenty thousand people pile into Humphrey Coliseum for for two basketball games. It was fantastic. What did they say? That was the second most combined in a weekend. Nothing. Something like that. I know that was the fourth biggest crowd in the women's program history. And the men were only a few hundred behind that. I think like 300 to, to be more exact. So it, it stands to reason that that was one of the best weekends in Humphrey Coliseum attendance history. So let's jump in there. Um, the Ole Miss game happened on Sunday, a 31-point win. You know, and outside of the, you know, the, the stuff, the, the dribbling, the passing, the shooting, the blocking, all that stuff in basketball, the crowd and the atmosphere seemed to be what everybody was really on both teams, Brett, was talking about the most. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ole Miss's coach was was very much impressed with uh, with her first trip to to Stark for at least as as Ole Miss's coach. She she pointed out that uh, a part of her hates when when the men play at home the day before her women play a game at home because she feels like it hurts the attendance, and that's understandable considering you're you're asking a fan base and some for some people to drive two hours from from where they live to the building to watch basketball games on back-to-back days but that that obviously wasn't the case for for the mississippi state women the the men had a shade over ten thousand in there and the women had something like ten thousand three hundred in there so it, it clearly didn't uh didn't hurt either team for for what were pretty important games at, at home for for both of them and and both of them definitely used that crowd both of them had moments where they were stringing together stops and really fun to watch offensive possessions and and scoring streaks and things of that nature so when uh when everything got rolling for for both teams uh the the hump definitely gave them the support they had earned by by that point so Humphrey Coliseum was was very involved in in both of those wins yeah and so they win 80-49 over Ole Miss State goes to nineteen and one. They're seven and zero, oh, and now they're going to hit the road. In the game, one of the storylines, obviously, is, is always is Tierra McCowan, thirty three points in thirty three minutes and thirteen rebounds. She goes eleven of twelve from the free throw line. And Brett, after the game, it jumped out at me. I guess it was just something I didn't know when Vic Schaefer said that at the end of every practice, Tierra McCowan has to go to the free throw line with the whole team standing on the baseline looking at her, and she has to make a free throw, and if she misses, then the whole team has to run. No pressure. 
<laughs> no pressure, but I, it's an old school approach. And I think it's an insight into how Vic Schaefer has everybody on that team, right down to the managers, bought in to free throw shooting. Yeah, and really bought into everything about this program. You know, there's there's an interesting story to to be told about the the Vic Schaefer culture taking over this program so quickly and staying staying within itself as it's grown the program from what it was when Vic got it to what it is now, that being one of the best five programs in the nation, even if the AP poll doesn't currently reflect that. And I do want to talk about that later on. I've actually got a game I want you to play about that, okay. Matt. Um, but but to get back to the, the question at hand, yes, that that is a microcosm of of this team because they they do things for each other. They they have they do things for the program. They do things for the the throngs of fans that that show up at, at their games and support them at, at every function that they possibly can. Uh, there's there's a lot to be said for for what this this program is recruiting to right now, which is McDonald's All Americans in in many cases, and they're still able to get them to buy into something bigger than themselves at Mississippi State and and Tierra McCowan's 11 for 12 from from the free throw line doesn't look like a microcosm of that just based on what the the box score says when you look at it in your hand but yeah, I think you nailed it the the reality is that that number is a lot bigger than just making 11 of 12 free throw attempts yeah I mean it is yeah it's just team basketball everybody bought in you know and the idea of the managers, being the ones that they're doing the rebounding for when these individual players have to make their 50 th free throws in the practice. You know, they have to make 50 and the managers have to count them. And he told this funny anecdote of how he used to have every now and then, like a manager would get bought off <laughs> to let, <laughs> to lie about it. And he said, now he's gotten the managers totally. So it's like right down to the managers, everybody has a significant role in whether or not the team wins. It's it's really an kind of it really I think is a uh, it speaks to you know, any successful organization. You know, it's not just sports, but um, it's it's really impressive. Well, hey, and I asked you this uh, next thing. I asked you this last week, so I'm going to bring it up again. We got one more game in there. Those filling in in the absence of Chloe Bibby, it's it's looking better and better, isn't it? Uh, I, are you looking at my notes right now? Like <laughs> no. through, through Skype, you're in Tupelo, I'm in Starkville, but Great you're like looking over alike. my shoulder. Great minds think alike, Brett. Uh, yeah. So the the one the one thing I wanted to talk about about this game before we got to the most recent AP poll was Andra Espinosa Hunter. Um, she she was excellent, and in that. Ole Miss game for all of the reasons that I didn't talk about when when Chloe Bibby went down. So I guess I have to issue a, a mea culpa on, on this, uh, on this subject. She had 13 minutes against Florida. That was 23 against Ole Miss. She got 10 more minutes uh, from the first game without Chloe Bibby to the second game. And a significant part of that was because she was so good on defense. Now, now it needs to be pointed out that Amber Scott, another candidate for that role did not have a very good day against Ole Miss. She was one for eight from the field, one for six from three point range. And her num her minutes dipped from 18 to 13. So those, no those minutes have to go somewhere. Clearly they went to Espinosa Hunter, but what was interesting about how she got those minutes was she was only two for four 
from three point range, and those buckets came late. One of those one of those threes was to beat the buzzer at the end of the third quarter. So it's not like she hit a couple of quick threes early in, and Vic felt the need to keep her on the floor just in case she gets hot again. She stayed on the floor because she was so good defensively. Uh, she was very good at the top of the press, the full court press, especially in. And Vic Schaefer is always going to prioritize that. But that was especially the case against an Ole Miss team that we all know they aren't deep the way that a team that's going to compete with Mississippi State needs to be. So uh, a press against a team like that is going to be very valuable. And Andre Espinosa Hunter was very good in, in that regard against Ole Miss to the point that you could leave her out there on the floor for a total of 23 minutes like Vic did, even though she wasn't contributing a ton in the scoring department. Now, she was passing the ball efficiently and making good decisions, and thanks to those two late threes, she did ultimately contribute 10 points, so it's not like she was a total non-factor on the offensive side of the floor, but she was just so good defensively, and that's something I never talked about when when Chloe Bibby went down because Chloe was such a bulk three-point shooter and such a good three-point shooter. Mississippi State is going to have to find a way to, to replace that, but I wonder if Andre Espinosa Hunter can create that role for herself just by how good she was defensively and how generally effective she was offensively, even if that rarely meant by, by knocking down shots from behind that three-point line. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah, and, you know, and it make, gives you the feeling that, you know, one night it could be Espinosa Hunter where she has a hot hand and go like this. She goes for 10 points and hits a couple threes, mm-hmm. and on another night it'll be Brianne Scott. We'll talk about that and uh, the other contributors and what's next. Right now, though, a pause and a word from the sponsor of the Praise the Lord and Talk Dogs podcast, Mississippi Land Bank. We do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land, too. We live for an early morning duck hunt, time spent in a deer stand, a day of fishing, and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand. All right, Brett, um, I'm going to see if I can... Uh, via, you know, what do you call it, ESP, whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to see if I can um, guess with my mental powers what's next on your notes. Right. Jordan Danbury. Uh, No, but she did (laughs) did earn her her aplomb. She had seven assists and seven rebounds in in that Ole Miss game. She deserves deserves her credit, as did Jasmine Holmes, six assists, two steals. Very, very good performance from from the backcourt against, against Ole Miss. I wanted to talk about, the rankings. Okay. The rankings drew the ire of Mississippi State fans after that Ole Miss game because as Mississippi State was beating Ole Miss mercilessly, mm-hmm. number one Notre Dame lost to North Carolina and previous number six Stanford lost to Utah. So that's two teams above Mississippi State losing. Mississippi State was seventh in the AP poll going into that Ole Miss game. So with two teams ahead of them losing, there was the thought that Mississippi State would jump up into the top five. The AP poll came out on Monday. That was not the case. Notre Dame is the new number five. They fell four spots after losing to North Carolina. Mississippi State 
up one spot to number six. Stanford ultimately fell down to, to eight. And I saw a lot of moaning and complaining from, from the fan base that the team that, that just lost to a, a frankly puzzling conference foe. Mm. Uh, North Carolina was 11 and nine, two and four in the ACC entering that game, and, and Notre Dame lost to them. There was a lot of belly aching from the fan base that Notre Dame was kept above Mississippi State. To be fair, by both the AP poll and the coaches poll, both polls had Notre Dame five, Mississippi State six. And there's there's a case to be made for both. So so what I want to do here, if you're willing, I want to put you on the spot, right. Matt. Can I do that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I did a little blind resume here. Okay. A team A and team B thing. And before we go forward, know that there are a few stats in here that are straight win-loss record. I filtered out the North Carolina game for Notre Dame because that would obviously give it away since they have two losses and Mississippi State has one. But there are other factors like margin of victory, strength of schedule, things like that, in which the North Carolina game is still a factored in for, for Notre Dame. So try to keep track of all of okay, this. All team, right. a, team A is 5-1. and one against the top 50 and eight and one or nine and one against the top 100, depending on where you get your data. Team B is nine and one against the top 50, 14 and one against the top 100 in non-conference strength. Team A has four top 100 has four games against top 100 teams and five games against teams outside of the top 200 team B only had one game against a team outside of the top 200 and 13 games against teams in the top 100. Okay, uh, they, so, they do have a common opponent. Team A hosted this common opponent and won by five. Team B went to that common opponent and won by 24. Um, in conference play, Team A, their average rating for uh, strength of schedule purposes, it's going to be somewhere in the... 77 to 97 range, depending on which metric you use, the average margin of victory is 24. For Team B, and this is where Team B's resume gets dinged a little bit, Team B's, actually no, Team B is better, excuse me, Team B is the 64 to 71 range, and their average margin of victory is 24.9. So that is your blind mes resume test, <laughs> Matt Wyatt. <laughs> Who's the better team? Oh, Brett, it's like you said at the beginning, you had me worried because you said, I'm going to put you on the spot. So I'm thinking, well, this is going to be hard. Well, it's not hard because the Team B resume is much better than Team A. It doesn't compare. I regret to inform you that Team B is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Okay. That just, that just goes to show you where the thought was coming from. And to, to a certain degree, the AP poll and the coaches poll, their job isn't to judge these things by resume, the selection committee mm -hmm. does that perfectly well, uh, starting with their weekly rankings and then eventually uh, come come selection Sunday. So, uh, I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand why that why people might want to say that you should just put the better team in there. And there's a case to, to be made that Mississippi State is better than Notre Dame because Mississippi State has had plenty of opportunities to lose to teams as good or better than North Carolina, and they've almost never done it, mm -hmm. whereas Notre Dame absolutely has. Mm -hmm. But the resume just tells you that you could argue, even with this North Carolina loss, Notre Dame has done more than Mississippi State has. 
to this point. So that's I, I just wanted to, to touch on that subject because there sure. was, like I said, there was a lot of of, of belly aching and, and moaning. I even had someone tweet the horse emoji and then the poop emoji <laughs> at me. Know what that uh, means? C- combine those two things together, you'll <laughs> you'll figure it out. Yeah, but uh, and and like I said, there's there's reason to understand and and believe that. That, that might not be the case. Maybe Mississippi State is better than Notre Dame. But all of the numbers that we use to figure these things out suggest mm. that Notre Dame has done more than Mississippi State. It's just an interesting uh, thought exercise at, at this point because Notre Dame has done more, but Mississippi State has never done what North Carolina, what Notre Dame just did, which is lose to a ugh, North Carolina team. Uh, Mississippi State just doesn't have their have that on their resume right now. Well, and it's an interesting uh, experiment. That was really well done, Brett. And and what I would say is, yeah, okay, that is. I think you spelled it out why they would look at a resume and keep them up there. The loss, the fact that it is a second loss for Notre Dame in defense of the state fans who were groaning about it. That's two losses versus one loss, and frankly, that one loss for Notre Dame is ugly. It's ugly, mm-hmm. you know, and, but the saving grace in all this is for me, like if I look at it from a Mississippi state perspective, number one, I don't mind being in a position. And I would think that Vic Schaefer probably doesn't mind either being in a position where his team looks at it and says, man, we got to earn every bit of respect that we're going to get. And then number two, Hey, look, who cares about the rankings? We get 68 teams in a tournament. I know that seeding is important, and that's what this is really all about, ultimately. Yeah. But, but man, because of the setup in basketball, which is so great as compared to, say, a sport like football, is that once they call your name and put you on that bracket, you got a chance. And you got just as good a chance as everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And to, to kind of go with your point, Mississippi State – has plenty of opportunities to to change some minds out there. They still have a game against Missouri. They still have a game with at Texas A and M. They still have a road game mm-hmm. at South Carolina. Uh, Tennessee comes to the hump uh, early February, so there there are still chances for Mississippi State to prove that they are in fact better than Notre Dame. But I, I did like your point that all told, these these AP rankings they they don't. They don't matter a ton once you get up to this level. Like when you're when you're in that twenties range, the the ranking does matter because, like it or not, those are important recruiting tools that that programs use to kind of puff their chest and and show the recruits that they're a certain caliber of program at number twenty five that the number twenty six team just can't boast the same way just by where the the cutoff line. Is But once you get up to this level, once you're clearly a national championship contender, the the number at your side on January 29th, the day we're recording this, doesn't really matter as much as the number by your side when the brackets are released in March or by how many teams are left in the bracket when you eventually bow out of of it, whether that's 32, 16, 8, 4, or 2. so that's kind of where where I sit on on the rankings, and I can just to just to be clear, like I understand Mississippi State fans here, and I'm not saying you're wrong to to think this way. I, I just wanted to present the the other side of 
of this argument because there is a, a good case to state that, that Notre Dame deserves that ranking. And, and by the way, just for the in, inquiring minds out there, in case any of you are wondering, that common opponent was Marquette. Yeah. Marquette came to Starkville and lost by five. Notre Dame went to Marquette and beat them by 24. I'm sure there would be some people wondering. I know I would. So there's, yeah. there's your answer. Yeah. I figured that's what it was. And you mentioned Stanford falling also. They, so they fall to number eight. Yes. After after losing on the road to a top twenty five Utah team, and they lost that game by seven points, and so you know you look at that comparatively, and Stanford, they go on the road to a top twenty five team and lose by seven points to get their second loss of the year. They fall two spots mm-hmm. in the polls. Notre Dame loses to the unranked for their second loss, and they fall four spots. And so I think what the point you're making is that. I mean, yeah, we're all emotionally invested in it. We want to see that 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 number up there by Mississippi State when they put them on a TV screen. But I think the I think the pollsters did you know a pretty good job actually. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So uh, and so to kind of look at that, you got Baylor in there at the number one spot now. Mm-hmm. They, so they're number one team in the country. UConn two, Louisville three, Oregon, who is Mississippi State's only loss this year at number four. And then, uh, of course, Notre Dame and State sitting there at six. Um, Very quickly, I did yeah. want to point out that people don't really know what to do at number one now after that Notre Dame loss because in the AP, in the AP, Baylor got twenty four of a possible twenty eight first place votes. So, so the AP knew what it wanted to do, but the coaches mm-hmm. didn't. The coaches nineteen first place votes for Baylor. 11 first place votes for UConn, one for Oregon, and one still for for Notre Dame. That number one vote for Notre Dame after that loss is incredibly interesting. I, I wish I knew off the top of my head who did that, but but that that's beside the point. Yeah. There there is that kind of goes back to the, the point I made on the previous episode where there's there's a, a good about eight teams that that are realistic national championship contenders. Uh, which going by both polls at this point, yes, both polls, is Baylor, UConn, Louisville, Oregon, Notre Dame, Mississippi State, NC State, and Stanford. And once once you get past that, yeah. you're getting to teams that are not long shots, but definitely not uh, among the the leading pack to to win this. And that I, I think that coaches poll spread kind of goes to that point that that top eight. On, on a night-in, night-out basis, they look pretty similar to each other. And, and a lot of people are, are having a difficult time sorting out what to do with them now that now that one of them has taken a, a quite unpredictable L. Yeah. Hey, I mentioned to you Jordan Danbury. Yes. And it's just because, you know, I, I look at – this is a stat line to me that is very underrated. And when she has players around her like – McCowan and Howard and they're doing what they're doing. But when Dan's okay. So, and again, it's against an overmatched opponent, but when Dan Barry goes out there and goes for 12 points, she's perfect at the free throw line, four for four um, efficient at, in, in, in terms of taking, she doesn't take a lot of three point shots. She took one and missed it. Okay. But efficient still. And you, you pair with that seven assists and seven rebounds. So 12 points, perfect at the free throw line. She plays 36 minutes and has one turnover and goes for seven assists and seven rebounds as well. That, to me, is just like 
you can't play better at the point guard position outside of hitting a bunch of threes. No, it's it's a good point. She she now has four and a half assists per game in in conference play. And, and what's especially fascinating about Danbury is frankly what's happening behind her because Maya Taylor has has drawn a lot of uh, praise from from Vic Schaefer recently, and understandably so. Look mm-hmm. at her in conference play: seven games, two turnovers. She's she's committed two turnovers in seven conference games this year as, as a freshman by the way. Um, so the, the guard play that Mississippi state is, is getting right now is, is very efficient and and effective. That's a, that's a good, good observation on your part. And it's more than just Dan Barry. It's more than, than just Maya Taylor. Obviously they're getting good guard play out of Jasmine Holmes too. Uh, she's 42.9% from, from the field and, and conference play, uh, 21 for 24 from the free throw line. That's 87 and a half percent. That'll, that'll get it done on a, on a night in night out basis. And plus there, she's the point guard and she's averaging 3.4 rebounds per game. Again, those numbers all in, in conference play. So she's, she's doing pretty good for, for herself right now. And that goes for, for every guard. Uh, I I imagine that's going to be pretty difficult for, for LSU to deal with. Yeah, I would imagine so. Brett, you hearing anything about how things are going here the last few days for Chloe Bibby? Uh, surgery was successful. I know that much. Uh, the the program put out that that announcement. I know that uh, they were waiting for Chloe Bibby's mom to get in town so that she could be here for for the surgery. As you can imagine, have, mm-hmm. trying to get a hold of a last minute flight from Australia to Mississippi is a pretty tough pretty tough thing to, to accomplish, but she was able to do it. And, and she was in town for, for Chloe's surgery. Um, so surgery was, was successful. I actually saw her walking around the building the other day, uh, obviously very heavily braced as, as one is after, after, a, a knee reconstruction surgery. Uh, but the surgery was successful. She will begin rehab more or less immediately as, as they do with, with the athletes these days. Uh, so Chloe's Chloe's surgery was successful. Her mother was here for it, and and yippee kaye on on all parts. I'll I'll have to keep tabs on on her rehab moving forward. Yeah, well, that's good. That's just you know wanted people to kind of hear that things are going well. Man, can you imagine being a parent and you get that news? Now again, we're not talking about a life and death, but a major injury, and it's a big mm-hmm. deal. And then you you got to figure out in the right time frame to get from Australia to here. And you're going to spend those 10 plus travel hours sitting on a plane, thinking about your child. You know, I mean, that's just, that's a brutal situation. I'm glad she's here. Oh yeah. From, from Australia to LAX to Atlanta is the, the flight path, I believe. And then Atlanta to GTR. That's a lot of time in airports. That is a lot of airport food. <laughs> it really is, which is so expensive too, because they know oh. they they know they've got you trapped, right? Like mm-hmm. you've already checked in, you know. And doggone, this bag of chips is going to cost you five and a half dollars. So you just might as well go ahead and pay it. I, yeah, I hate that about. <laughs> the, the bottle of water at the airport is the biggest oh. scam in the United States of America. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree because they got you trapped. But they do, and they know it. Uh, so to, to look forward to the LSU game, Mississippi State goes to LSU for for its next game. They've actually got two road games this week. They have uh, 
LSU on Thursday, 6.30, SEC Network, plus the the streaming situation, not an actual uh, channel on your television before a Sunday road game at Alabama mm-hmm. at noon on the television channel, SEC Network. Uh, but we'll we'll podcast for you on, on Friday to give you more going into that one. Um, one, one thing I did want to touch on about LSU, a player to watch in, in that game. LSU has a junior forward, Ayana Mitchell. Uh, she is She's number five, for those of you that will be watching this game. 13.2 points per game, 9.7 rebounds per game. She's had double-digit rebounds in three of her last four games and five of her last seven, and multiple offensive rebounds in each of her last four games. She's also seventh in the SEC with 1.9 steals per game. That's that's a Mississippi State EN level of of steal production. I think Danbury is is up there in in that range. But here's the catch with Ayana Mitchell. She is just awful from the free throw line. 56 percent in in conference play. So if you can put her at the line, you're doing you're doing pretty well. So so look for Ayana Mitchell in in this game. Obviously with the the talent. The Mississippi State has in in the front court. You wouldn't want to put either Tierra McCowan or Ariel Howard in in foul trouble and force them to sit for any prolonged period of time. But a couple of fouls on on Ayanna Mitchell might not be all that bad of a thing for for this game down in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, and I'm just kind of glancing through uh, numbers that are just stats that don't tell you everything, Brett. But looking at LSU this year, it, they look like a team that. Uh, at a lot of times this year have been pretty close to making a step. You know, they're sitting there at 12 and seven on the year. And when you start looking at like losses in conference play, now they started conference play with a really bad loss, a 13 point loss on the road at Georgia, but then look Mm -hmm. at how they respond. They come back right after that. They beat a ranked Texas A&M team at the time by 11. They went on the road at Ole Miss in a really low scoring game, 55, 41, their loss after that to South Carolina at home, they got beat badly. They weren't didn't compete, but they turn around and then hosted Kentucky. So they had back to back games at home against ranked teams, and they lose to Kentucky by four points. It was a really close game. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I just look at it, they've been close at times, and all of their games seem to be low scoring. I mean, a lot of their wins, I don't see. I mean, I don't know that they've – I guess they've had one game, and that was against McNeese State where they broke 80 points. You know, so it's an LSU team that they're going to play some good defense, but all their games have been low scoring. And that's that's a good point about their low scoring games coming against the good teams they've played. I've, I've got their Her Hoop Stats profile pulled up right now. Florida State, a top 40 team. They won that game 58 to 45. Yeah. Um, Little Rock, they they played Little Rock, a team that Mississippi State played. They won that game 60 to 45. Uh, when they scared Kentucky a couple weeks ago, that was a 64 to 60 loss for for that team. So when when they run up against a team that that's really, really good outside of South Carolina, as you as you pointed out, South Carolina hung 76 on them. Uh, when when they come up against a team that they know is very good, they do everything they can to to lock it down defensively and and keep themselves in in games that way. That's that's the only way they know, and I would imagine that's their that's their hope against Mississippi Stakes. If they can get in a knockdown, drag out, drag you through the mud kind of affair on their home floor with with a upset minded team and an upset minded crowd. 
maybe maybe it works out for him in the long run. Yeah, maybe so. Well, state's much better. We do know that, and it's one of those. <laughs> That's true. You know, it's one of those deals where, if um, again, uh, you know, the state has just been so consistent um, with in, in terms of what they're getting from their depth. And, you know, so again, a Thursday night deal and then turn around and do it again on a Sunday, both on the road, regardless of who you're playing, that ain't easy, you know, not at all. But this, this team has, has shown the, the ability to, to play well on the road. They've done it for, for years and they've, they've done it this year. I think everyone remembers what they did to Washington after, after that Oregon loss, that was, that was devastating to the nth degree. I think, uh, I think, I think that, that game is illegal in a few States. <laughs> yeah. And the crowds too. Yeah. I just can't tip my hat enough to, uh, the way Mississippi state fans are buying the tickets and filling the arena. And it's one thing to be there. It's another thing to just be loud and into it throughout the game. It, it really is. Something and I saw. I think it was the pregame speech before the Ole Miss game for Vic Schaefer and Brett. You know, he was reiterating to his players how special that environment is. He said, "I think the quote was like he said, there's only there's only four or five teams in the entire country that get to play in front of a crowd like this, mm-hmm. and you're and you're one of them. Uh, it 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 really is a special time right now." And he said it post game too. He he said there was a there was a stretch. I can't remember if he said it was in the second or the third quarter, but there was a stretch in in that Ole Miss game where he gets frustrated with what he perceives to be a lack of effort relative to their surroundings. When when you look around and you see ten thousand people and you don't see a, just an absolute maximum life on the line effort from every single player on the floor, that's when. That's when Vic gets frustrated. So he called a timeout uh, at some point to basically make that point to them that, uh, in his opinion, y'all aren't playing hard enough to appease the 10,000 people in in this building right now. And I'd I'd almost guarantee there is more maroon Mm. in Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa than there is crimson on on Sunday afternoon. And I think um, the other thing I go back to kind of how we started before we wrap it up and that deal of – you know, uh, impressing upon players the importance of free throw shooting as as not to let the team down. It's not about – it's about doing your job because the team depends on you to do your job. Brett, I think uh, maybe next week at some point we should experience what that's like and we'll get, we'll get uh, some media people to experience what that's like. Put them all on the baseline. And one media person goes to the free throw line, and if they miss the free throw, everybody's got to run gassers. <laughs> oh, my. Are you trying to kill me? Well, I'm just thinking, like, who's going to shoot? Who would we – if we're if, you, if you're piling up the media, like, who's going to shoot? I would believe in you, I think. I think oh, you, well, hold on. Let, let the record show. I want the ball in my hand. <laughs> I want the ball in my hand. Hey, I'll be honest with you. If I'm having to run, I want it in yours, too. I don't want it in Haydad's hands. Or like, or Murray or somebody. I ain't dependent on those guys to make a free throw. No, so. I, I, if if running's on the line, I want the ball in my hand. <laughs> At least be responsible for it, right? I yes. If, if we're gonna run, I'm gonna be the one that's responsible for it. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna let Hey Dad go up there and brick two free throws and, and make me run. I want the ball. There I want go. the ball. There you go. It make for great video anyway, wouldn't it? Oh, I bet. Fantastic. I bet Hey Dad shoots Granny style. What do you want to bet? 
Oh, I believe that entirely. <laughs> I believe that with every fiber of my being, no doubt. And and probably acts like there's nothing preposterous about what he's doing. That's right. He and Rick Barry, those two. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, final thoughts before we send it on down the road, Brett. Uh, this is this is a interesting portion of the schedule in that. As I mentioned earlier, with the opportunities against Missouri, against Texas A&M, against South Carolina to end the year, this is kind of an interesting stretch in the schedule because those opportunities aren't here yet. So you wonder if you're going to get in games like the Ole Miss game was where you see heavy doses of of players that we don't normally see once we get into to March. Like maybe you see a lot of Zaria Wiggins. Maybe you see even more minutes out of out of Maya Taylor or, or Naya Tate. Uh, players, mm. players like that. I don't want to try to guarantee people that, that Mississippi State is going to be blowing out these teams, but that is more likely than than any other outcome. So it does make the the fourth quarter of of these games interesting. While we wait for Missouri and Texas A and M and South Carolina to come up on that schedule, no doubt. Brett, great stuff. Freed Brett Hudson. It is official. It has been done <laughs> on this here podcast. That's it. And uh, if you're listening to this and you'd like to get involved uh, with the podcast, if uh, if you have a, a business or a product that you'd like for us to make sure that state fans who are coming in to start full for the games and stuff because uh, know about it, let us know. Get in touch. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. He is Brett underscore Hudson, and I am Radio Wyatt, so let us know. And you'll be hearing for some uh, some cool folks with some cool products coming up uh, on the podcast. Also, uh, thanks to Mississippi Land Bank for helping us do this. Mississippi Land Bank, uh, they love sports in Mississippi and sports fans. And they know the land business backward, forward, all points in between. So if you've got a land need or you want to buy some or search for some or anything like that, uh, go to Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi and at mslandbank.com. For Brett Hudson, I'm Matt Wyatt. See you next time. Praise the Lord and talk dogs. Drives it to the rack. Swatted by McCallum. Billingham, four seconds, three seconds. Morgan Williams. Morgan Williams. He's got to put it up. Fires it up and it is good.